have a question for you, Mayo. Mm-hmm. Do you know about Zmail? No. What's Zmail? <laughs> Zmail. Sounds like if I wanted to take, like, Gmail and make a Zach version of it, but it's not. I learned about it today. It's it's available through Zoom. I knew Zoom was doing their own, like, mail and calendar app service thing, um, but I didn't know the domain that they'd use for email addresses. I just knew that they'd work with Google and Microsoft, uh, but they use at zmail.com and... That was a new opportunity for me to secure uh, another email address. And at first I tried ZAC at zmail.com, taken. So I tried That's Z. optimistic, yeah. Yeah, it is. So I tried Z at zmail.com, taken. But then I got ZH at zmail.com. Man, that's not too bad. It's, it's not bad, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's really hard to change email services. <laughs> and... I don't know. I mean, my personal email is pretty short anyway, so probably won't bother. But uh, just to secure something, it's pretty cool. And I, I, yeah, I back did, like, in the back in the day when I was a lot younger, uh, there yeah. was some new like upstart email service in Britain. I think it was called Juby. It was J U B I I. And because I got in like for some reason, I was super hyped about this email service, even though exactly the same as every other email account. But I, I got in on like day one, and I got Benjamin at juby.com or whatever it was called. Uh, yeah. That was kind of that was kind of sweet. That but, was um, nice. They 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 shut it down like 3 years later. Yeah. Yeah, Zmail Z- took over the world. Zmail will go the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine every time if I were to give it as an email address to somebody and I'd say zh at zmail.com, they just put in Gmail every time if you're just saying it verbally. Yeah, I want to transition all my email over to my own domain, but mm-hmm. I have so much stuff just still attached to my like Gmail account and all yeah. so like I'm still I have like eight emails that like actively get email, so it's a bit of a I'm sure. in a bit of a, a bit of a bind. But I I just use the uh, Apple Mail app and just add all the accounts and then just kind of get used to it. But yeah, very very gradually I'm transitioning to just my own domain email and then nothing else. But mm-hmm. it's a it's a long 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 process that I don't yeah. know if I'll ever finish. I I do use Apple Mail and it's for two accounts: my at me dot com email address. And then my nine to five Mac email address, but everything that isn't nine to five Mac, um, like every email I've ever had, forwards to my me.com address. Now I don't know if I can forward from Gmail, and I tried logging into the Mail app, and I don't know my password because I'm signed in through Gmail. <laughs> I'm signed into <laughs> Zoom through my nine to five Mac account, which is Google, you know, workspace or whatever. So. <laughs> fun fun thing to do but it had a cool feature i did like a test email to um troll chance and it had a feature where um all all zmail to zmails which is so popular zmail to zmail are encrypted by default um and then you can password protect emails have them expire after a set number of of days so one day up to 30 days i think um and so the, the person can view it until it expires and then they need a password to view it after that i think um so yeah what a niche feature. Yeah, pr- probably the last time I'll ever touch it, but uh, I, I, it's so fun to to secure a, you know, a good domain. I actually, uh, on the same topic, um, you know, iCloud does the thing where you can use your own a domain that you own for your email. Mm. And I have not gotten that up and running. It's one of those things where if you know what you're doing, it's easy. But if you're following a guide and you don't know what you're doing, then there's all, so many things that can go wrong. 
And I just wanted to do like, um, I've got a domain, um, amphias.com. I don't know how to spell that, but it's, it's what I have. And I wanted to do X at amphias.com and I never got it working, but it's, it shows up as like an iMessage option and things, but yeah, cause they launched that like with iOS 16, right? In the last year. So mm-hmm. I've been waiting just to see how people get on with it but it seems like people that have successfully set it up don't have an issue with it so i might transfer because my my own email domain me at bzma.com is currently hosted with just the same person that hosts uh the actual like blog server for bzma.com uh but it means paying separate money and everything else and you get less storage so theoretically i could roll it into the ironcloud account and just benefit from the you know the two terabytes we're paying for there true Uh, but i haven't quite i haven't quite pulled the trigger yet do you so you you do b uh, me at bzamayo dot com. Do you have bzamayo at me dot com? No. Oh, that's too bad. And you'd have um, both versions. Very sad. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool though if I did. Yeah. All right. Under the show, Apple held <laughs> two <laughs> events, quote unquote, uh, in recent weeks. The first one we'll discuss is um, a gaming press event. Um, where did this get reported first? Uh, I think it was in CNET or YouTube. There were some YouTubers posting some videos and stuff. Okay, cool. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So uh, was the Steve Jobs Theater at Apple Park? Or... I'm not sure. I think it was in I think it was in one of their New York City uh, like oh, okay. briefing places. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. Because they that's that's normally where they take all the YouTubers and stuff to have. Like, and, and Apple's been on a tear lately about when they when they do the marketing interviews for like new Mac releases and and everything. They they talk about how even with macOS Ventura about how gaming is on, on the Mac. They want to bring the same level of attention that, that the iPhone gets for gaming and the iPad gets for gaming as the Mac now that it has Apple Silicon and, and they're you know, getting into the VR space very soon, which is a gaming platform as well. So uh, with the headset, what what is this gaming press event though? What, what happened? This was basically just Apple um, evangelizing the vitality of their platforms for games. They were basically just doing... Um, you know, get impressive and get demos from uh, games that are coming up and big brands um, showing support and basically just trying to change the narrative a little bit about the state of gaming on Apple platforms in general. Uh, they So they did like a showcase of demos from Call of Duty, Warzone Mobile, Lego Star Wars, a game called The Medium, etc., etc. Uh, obviously, the big name brand there is Call of Duty. The Warzone Mobile is launching on iPhone and iPad soon. Um, that was the big that was the big news story there. But in general, they're just trying to market the idea that their platforms are serious, you know, gaming platforms. And it is a hundred percent true that the iPhone is a gaming device, uh, but it was not what I would call a serious gaming device in general. They they their revenue from games via the App Store is ginormous. They make so much money and they easily outpace the actual dedicated games consoles or on many metrics uh just based on the commission they get but you know it's in it's funneling into pay to win games freemium games puzzle games you know like um zynga style games um words with friends that kind of stuff like it's not the triple a titles that you see on console and that's where they're trying to like frame it but it's not quite accurate you know and then if you go outside of the iphone there's there's a you know a market on the iPad too, but it's not as big. And then you go to the Mac and the Apple TV, and then there's no market at all apart from what's Apple pays for for Apple Arcade. And they're trying to 
try and get more people on board. Their Apple Silicon definitely helps because as they evangelize, there's now a unified platform across mobile and desktop. So if you're making a game for the iPhone, you can basically use the exact same code, the exact same knowledge and learnings to bring the game to the Mac too. And if you do a bit more work, you can obviously take advantage of the higher spec chips available on the Mac, like the M1 Ultra and stuff. And they they shipped that game on the Mac App Store last year, Resident Evil, um, the Resident Evil game, which obviously runs at really high frame rates and it takes advantage of their new uh, metal effects upscaling stuff that they introduced at WWC last year. Um, so, like, if companies go out of their way to make games, they can make really high quality games for the Mac. The problem is the quantity of the pipeline is tiny. Like, you know, Resident Evil Village, I think, was the game, but that was like already a year old compared to when it came out on PC, and that was like Apple's flagship for last year. And you go outside of that, and there's like nothing at all so it's gonna be this isn't something that changes overnight it's something that's a very gradual plodding slow evolution um but obviously that doesn't stop the apple pr market machine from pretending like the future is now and holding these events as if they're you know on top of the world my take on it i guess is just from far away is that apple's platforms for game making are good and that consoles are better yeah Um, one of the big um announcements they had last year was no man's sky do you remember that wwc 2022 mm-hmm. they they had like a demo of no man's sky for mac and for ipad mm-hmm. and that was originally announced to come out at the end of last year and it didn't and there's been no word on whether it's coming or not um so that's a bit of a question mark because that was one of their big things they were heralding as part of the thing um for wdc 2022 the other um factor here is like you you mentioned the plat the technology platform being good and it is good but it is different to what the PC games write against so like the main gaming APIs on PC do not exist on the Mac because um, Apple's system architecture relies so much heavily on the way that Metal is designed that's their Metal API it's designed for a reason to take the best advantage of Apple Silicon and you know the the way the GPUs are literally designed at the silicon level um, each individual core. But that makes translation from Windows games more complicated. And even if there are automatic conversions that do exist, especially if you're writing against frameworks like Unity or something, the problem is those automatic conversions don't take... They're like lowest common denominator, right? They don't take advantage of the extra stuff that the Apple Silicon chips, the Apple Silicon power that is theoretically there, but it goes underutilized and therefore you get lower frame rates on the same game running on Mac that does exist, even if it does exist at all, compared to the same game running on PC in general terms so mm-hmm. you know there's still a long way to go it's a slow it's a slow burn it's a thing they have to keep trying out and keep they have to keep pulling the string right otherwise they'll never get anywhere um but i think they're making decent progress but convincing people to come on board and make you know AAA titles for the mac in particular is going to just be a really hard problem to solve because it's chicken and egg it's classic things these games cost millions and millions of dollars to publish on a platform you know optimize for a platform and if they don't sell enough of it, they're just not going to bother. So it is. if you look at AAA titles on desktop um, or console compared to the Mac, you know it's still a wasteland when it comes to Mac OS. But there's a couple of options. And the, theoretically, they can you know, rival high-end PC desktops and graphics performance, especially with getting like the M1 Ultra chips at the Mac Studio. But think how many Mac Studios are sold per year. It's very small, so mm. that's not really an appealing argument to game developers. You've got to wait, I think, really for ipad and iphone to get even better gpus and so then when you can make a triple i title and just release it on iphone and ipad the mac can then benefit as a side effect like i think it's quite telling that at this 
event this week, what they were showing was Call of Duty Warzone mobile, right? Not mm-hmm. Call of Duty Warzone desktop, uh, because there is plenty of allure to get a popular game on the iPhone, especially one that can be monetized with in-app purchases, um, which isn't quite the same thing as, you know, the best AAA titles coming to PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, as, as you know from the information report last December, Apple was working on next-gen GPU for the iPhone 14 Pro and didn't didn't make it. So maybe this is the year. And so they're, they're you know, getting all their cards in order, all the ducks in a row, and, and they're laying the field, laying the groundwork for more, more gaming on the iPhone. Um, I, had, I had another idea, which is that, um, you, you know, when like Microsoft's trying to buy Activision for, I think, $69 billion, and um, the U.S. government is like, hmm, not so fast. We got to, you know, take a look at this and see if it would be uh, a disadvantage for competitiveness. And, and, and Microsoft signs this deal with Nintendo for 10 years to make Xbox games on Nintendo. I think Apple should see this as an opportunity and say, oh, Microsoft, you're under scrutiny for, for trying to buy this company. Uh, make a deal with us to make games on the Mac, and it'll make your case even better. <laughs> oh, and just before we change topic, yeah. it's always worth reminding that the other side of the gaming equation, the future in many ways, is game streaming over the internet. Yeah, and the App Store. Offering not good for that. that you know, that Microsoft offer through the web, but they can't put in the App Store because of Apple's rules. And not just the the 30% cut stuff, it's just by policy, Apple is really prohibitive to game streaming services in general. So it would be nice if they would tip them a hat in that direction to get, mm-hmm. like, that on board. Yes. And the other event of sorts that happened, this was at Apple Park for employees, not for, not for media, uh, was something we referenced previously, which was the AI event that was previously scheduled before uh, Microsoft did the Bing thing with ChatGPT and Google announced their own ChatGPT competitor called, I think, Bard? Bard, yeah. Bard, yeah. The reason I remember, Bard. at least closely, is the Google barges that were floating in New York that going to i think new york and san francisco and we're going to be google store pop-up google stores on the water and it never happened and then they eventually sold their google barges and the mystery was over you know what the name reminded me of um what? when the home pod would pronounce itself as home pod <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good bug of all bugs to be yeah. had <laughs> forgot about that yeah so yeah. So, uh, so apple and they, and they do these events um not uncommonly, I guess. So, so do, we, do we learn anything from this event? Or? Uh, not really. This of is course. for employees only, so it wasn't even yeah. directed at press, right? But basically, it's a way to make sure that the DNA of you know artificial, artificial intelligence features can proliferate through Apple's product line where it makes sense. So every year, they bring you know heads of department together, VPs and lower level employees to basically get demos of stuff that the you know, machine learning groups and the research and the AI groups have been working on to maybe inspire a future mm-hmm. product development, product development or improvement. And what you have, obviously this came under the context of all the AI chatbot stuff, uh, which I tried out and stuff, and they are really impressive. And you can see in time how they could make their way into like a future version of Siri or something once they can, you know, nail down some of the issues. I mean, we've seen uh, some blowback to the Microsoft Bing stuff, right? Where it was like telling people that they're just wrong and you know misbehaving and stuff. So that, and that it wants not to perfect... marry them. Yeah, and it wants to do yeah. all sorts of crazy stuff and you know, <laughs> take over the world and yeah. uh, thinks it's 
last year when it's this year. Like, they're not perfect things, but they are impressive. And, you know, a lot of the time they do what you want to do and you ask Siri to do the same kind of thing and it won't have a clue. So, like, there's clearly technology and advancement from that area that, you know, Apple would benefit from. It might not, it might not happen tomorrow, but it's, I'm sure it's something they're at least looking at. But what you have to remember from Apple's perspective is AI is more than just, you know, language chatbots. They, they would say already that they have AI across all their products. That's why they have a neural engine. They would say that Face ID is an AI kind of solution because it's using machine learning algorithms to detect your face. They would say the visual lookup feature where you can, you know, identify things in images or search via text for a mountain and then it finds mountains in your photo library. That would classify under AI. The detection of the, the wake word for Siri would classify as AI. As AI, and I'm sure they'll evangelize that even more later in the year when they announce that they're gonna you can do it just by saying Siri, and they drop the hey part, right? Like that will come under an, an AI umbrella. The cut the cutout feature where you can copy the subject of an image in iOS 16, they would classify that as an AI feature. So these are the kind of things that I'm sure Apple have been talking about at this employee AI, AI event. It's not just how does Siri get better, although it would be nice if they put um, some visible improvements there because I feel like we've kind of stalled on Siri for many years at this point but yeah um, that's kind of what these events are for what what's probably I mean events a bit of a stretch of name when it's employee only uh, I think yeah. we ended up referring to like as an AI summit because that makes that's a bit more contextually appropriate that's right yeah you could even imagine employees who work on different teams not you know and how secretive Apple is and how uh, sort of seeing things for the first time from other teams that you, that you weren't exposed to before these sort of things yeah and and Apple has like you know, research and development groups that all they do is work on machine learning kind of technology and ideas and stuff that they might not have direct, oh, this is ready to be used in this product. Um, And so these kind of summits help people kind of stay on the same page, get an idea of what everybody else is working on, and then maybe think, oh, you know, we're working on this, we can probably use this or some strand of this or some variant of this research project in an actual thing to make it better. Um, I mean, you can see all the papers they... um, they release on machine learning stuff you can go to machinelearning.apple.com and they have papers they publish every single month publicly talking about their research and sometimes in hindsight you can see different bits slide in slot into different features and products they announced and sometimes you can't um but obviously the focus of the press on the ai summit was way more elevated this year because of all the recent hysteria around the rise of um chatbots and stuff and i would point out that at the end of 2022 apple was going all in on stable diffusion image generation right because they added the apis to mac os and they were evangelizing that on the machine learning blog so that all ties into the the ai summit stuff as well so um it would be great again talking about siri because that's like the most high profile thing and the most obvious thing when you say you know what's apple doing with ai stuff and i don't think siri uses much ai today it's mostly just like pattern recognition and like dictionary lookups of phrases um there's obviously a lot of improvement they could bring to that product but there's a lot of stuff they could improve siri without having to use any ai at all right like just making it faster and not drop the network as often like so i don't know why those improvements haven't arrived in that product on a timely fashion especially as their entire product line just depends more and more on voice input every single day uh, the headset's going to be announced that'd be another product that depends heavily on voice assistant uh, but you just have to hope that internally they are working on something big there but until the day happens they'll continue to be criticized for it sure happy how this week is sponsored by the award-winning to-do app things 
If you're an Apple Shortcuts user, you'll love the latest update to Things. The team working on Things has adopted the new App Intense framework introduced with iOS 16 and added nine entirely new actions that greatly extend what is possible with running automations using Things. These new additions mean you can completely automate your workflow with Things on Mac, iPad, and iPhone. For instance, with Shortcuts, you can create a full-blown Things project with headings and to-dos, edit your existing data, duplicate a template project with just a tap, grab links to your items, and of course, pull in data from other apps into Things and then share it onwards. If you're looking for inspiration about what the kind of things you can do with Things and Shortcuts, go on their website and have a look at their Shortcuts gallery. They have a big selection of Shortcuts to show you what is possible. Go to things.app to check them out. Things is uh, renowned for its fantastic design paired with incredibly rich functionality. And I know, Zach, you're a long-time user of Things, right? Yeah, I'm not smart enough to do shortcuts with Things, but I have used Things since 2013. That's 10 years. And uh, I, I use it with reminders, and it can import it in your reminders. Um, so you can you know, use Siri with reminders, and then it shows up in Things. You can even use Siri with Things. Uh, it also imports your calendar optionally in different calendar sets. So uh, it, it's sort of like my all-viewing hub of, of things to do. Um, and, and it, for me, so I make lists and notes and I do my grocery list and, and, and reminders, but things is like the overall blueprint for like my life. So if it ever, if like, if I mentioned before, if I ever lost like my things database, which won't happen, but, um, I would be a little bit lost on like all the things that I have planned to do and all the projects and how, you know, what each step is and, um, you know, what URL goes with which, uh, step, you know, so, um, that things is super important for me and as an apple watch user i love the apple watch app because it's independent from the iphone and can sync over the network over lte without the iphone nearby so lots of love for things so go to things.app to check them out today learn about everything things can do and while you're there download a free trial for your mac that's things.app and of course you'll also find them in the app store just search for things Whatever it is you want to accomplish in life, Things can help you get there. Try Things today at things.app. Thanks to Things for sponsoring the show. Right. Next up, we have uh, some iPhone news. Some exclusives. Yeah, some September iPhone 15 stuff. This is, this is really fun. Um, first, where do you want to start? You want to start with the iPhone 15? Uh, base yeah, model? we'll start with the more boring one. Yeah. Okay, so um, our colleagues... Uh, uh, Max and Ian, they they gathered CAD like CAD files, which CAD files on their own, I guess, don't don't show you what you need to see. Then you got to like render them and a whole separate process to make what is visible and um, you know, you understand it to be an iPhone. Yeah, and, CAD, and, CAD files are like wireframes. Renders make them look like a phone. Yeah, and in, and I'd say like in several previous years, there's always been like around this time of year, there's always been. CAD files and, and renderings that show up for the next iPhone, and in the, if it's this time of year, then they pan out to be correct. So no, uh, but but what's neat this year is like that you know our team had them before we saw them from others, so that's pretty cool. The iPhone 15, um, a lot a lot of the stuff will will sort of confirm or or match what reporting and rumors have said, which in this case is that the iPhone 15 base model would have the dynamic island. And, and, and maybe a new detail, slightly larger display from 6.1 inches to 6.2 inches, I believe. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I guess... Yeah, I've big, seen that reported elsewhere. This yeah. Change. Yeah. 
and and so uh the big thing here is is that the uh, you know we look at the iPhone base model now as like little little bit of last year a little bit of last year's pro and that's this year's base model now so uh i think going from as rumored going from one year where dynamic island is only on the pro phone to the next year having it on all of the new phones makes that much more you know this is the iphone this is a feature that exists this is worth developing for if you're an app uber uber <laughs> this week announced that they're rolling out full support for uber uh ride updates and that yeah live activity com- support yeah. yeah and live activities so dynamic island so in the coming months that'll be available for uber Eats. so maybe in time for the iphone 15 when everyone has a dynamic island uh but, yeah. I mean, what, putting what the dynamic island on the base model is as much a benefit to Apple as is the third party community, yeah. right? Because like Apple came out with the dynamic island with the 14 Pro, and they did a fair amount of work on it. It was obviously represented a pretty big investment in terms of software. But a couple of months go by, and you're like, well, why doesn't the dynamic island appear in this scenario? Why don't they utilize it here? Or why do notifications still come down from the top, even though it make more sense if they could like emerge as a banner from the island and like. Part of it's just, well, this is what they got done for the first year. But another part of it's like, because it's only on the super expensive phones, they don't have as much of a motivation to do it. And they can't really design new features that are like from the ground up for an island because they always have to have a solution for compatibility with phones that don't have it, including you know their latest model phones. Uh, when you're only shipping older phones without a dynamic island, they can put a, you know, they can be more ruthless and say, well, like, these new features we can put in the island. Um, and it just gives them more motivation to do it. So bringing the island to the base model uh, iPhone 15 and 15 Plus um, is huge because it encourages the OS to do more, not just um, third-party apps. But third-party apps is another big area too. And we saw the live activity API launch uh, with iOS 16 with obviously you know the dynamic island area and that, and that integration. And fingers crossed, iOS 17 will expand that even more and they'll do even more there. Like one of the things that gets me is like the clock app, if you set a timer, the timer appears in the dynamic island. But if you do the stopwatch, the stopwatch doesn't have any clue that the dynamic island exists. So it's like, you know, it's literally the next tab. It would just count up instead of count down, but it's not it's not there at all. Um, so like there's all these like weird edge cases and whole gaps in functionality that hopefully Apple will work on anyway, but they're definitely more motivated if their entire phone lineup has this hardware feature and now it will and what's also interesting about the iphone 15 cabs not the pros is how much stuff is not changing so for instance the capacity of buttons you know the redesign for the volume and the and the side buttons and stuff uh, we can see them in the 15 pro uh, renders that we're about to talk about but they're not there on the iphone 15 so the the iphone 15 seems to be mostly about getting the dynamic island um, and that slightly larger display we're not expecting materials change so the titanium stuff doesn't apply either um and the camera system also seems unchanged look on these renders because they don't have a triple camera system they still have a two camera system and it doesn't look like anything like the lidar scanner is also coming down down the line so mm-hmm. in terms of exterior design uh, it might have the slightly like rounded off edges but not as much as the iphone 15 pro um but it's mostly about getting that dynamic island which is like the the front-facing distinguishing factor um and there has been reports that the base model iphone 14 hasn't sold as well this time around this generation and maybe having a visual change like sticking you know the pill and whole bunch notch on the front uh will incentivize a few more upgrades because the fact that it looks different is a 
noticeable factor in terms of just raw phone sales. It's just a it's just a reality, even if it doesn't you know practically make much difference. Yeah, Apple certainly had success in marketing the Dynamic Island in ads, making making decent ads out of that feature. So uh, so iPhone 15, uh, Dynamic Island, last year's chip or iPhone 14 Pro's chip, imagine. Yeah, and and the, the, this this new leaker, I don't think. This is, I think it's maybe the first year, maybe the second year of this leaker being around. They, every season, there's like a new prominent leaker who has access to things that others don't. Um, but it, it, it's someone on Twitter whose handle is U, the letter U, and then Redditor. And then they go by Unknowns21. So they, they've shared what they claim to be an early base model iPhone 15 um, showing the Dynamic Island and a USB C port. So that's. Uh, all, to, all, everything as rumored is coming true so far. Yeah. Yep. Um. Obviously, the more the more exciting renders are what ninety five Mac published for the iPhone fifteen Pro, mm-hmm. which is obviously getting the more significant redesign. Um. So you get this kind of like thicker curved body chassis, which is we believe going to be made of titanium, and that redditor and that unknown um that you redditor account has a supposed image of like a early shell of the iphone 15 pro and you can kind of see the raw titanium finish um like the brushed titanium finish on the bottom as well alongside the USB-C port um and then what you also see in the renders is the screen bezel um getting a lot thinner you can see the USB-C port and uh although the 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 screen bezels are noticeably thinner making for a more impressive front face if you look at the back uh the camera bump is noticeably thicker again like yeah. the camera bump has been getting bigger and bigger every single year, and if you look at the 15 Pro CADs that have been rendered here, the it's almost like the lenses have sprouted another little platform that they sit on. Like it's like it's another little indent from the top. We've had one little raised camera module that protrudes, and then we had the lenses, and now we've got another little raised module that protrudes, um, and then the actual lenses sit above that. Like looking at this photo we have in the article. The thickness of the camera module is almost the thickness of the entire rest of the phone. Like it's kind of crazy how how much thicker they look on these 15 Pro cards. Yeah, I think that unknowns 21. Their images are really impressive for this time of year, especially. Mm. Um, and and the the titanium. I'm, I'm, I'll ask you a question about titanium in a moment. But what's really cool about the cards and then the renderings that come out of those is that you get detailed specs for dimensions that you really can't quite discern from just looking at an image, especially subtle changes. So, you know, with with the CADs, we were able to see just how rounded are, is this new design, and it's quite subtle, more than nothing, but quite subtle. Um, and then you also, I think, I think we learned that the phone is a little bit shorter, a little bit thicker, a little bit shorter. So, again, these are like small incremental changes, but it's just the total shape of it would change in some capacity. Yeah, the, the, the curviness is interesting because, like, it does kind of look like a blend of, like, the iPhone and the iPad chassis, you know? Like, mm-hmm. curved, but also flat. Like, it's, like, flat in the middle, but at the very edges, there's more of a curve. Whereas right now on the iPhone, it's very sharp. Um, so it kind of gives, like, this kind of, like, bevel to the sides, I guess, is kind of the way to explain it. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. Um I prefer honestly I'm kind of over like the iPhone getting thicker. <laughs> like, <laughs> I kind you? of feel like the 14 Pro is kind of thick enough really. Um and it might start feeling a bit like 
bulgy kind of if they push it even more which these kind of CAD should suggest they do a little bit although whenever they do a curved design it always makes it look a bit thinner than the straight flat size design so maybe it'll like counterbalance it um, obviously once you include the camera bump it's a whole different story because it's obviously going to be thicker in that case but like I don't like the thinness of the iPhone was really cool when they went away from it to prioritize features and battery life uh, but ever since like the iPhone 6s every single year the phone's getting thicker and thicker and thicker and with the 14 pro generation i kind of feel like we kind of reached the point of no return where it starts feeling like old-fashioned and not as not like a modern sleek phone anymore if it starts getting thicker much thicker than what it is right now if you know what i mean do you use an iphone case I do have a case on, yeah. You have a case on, yeah. So that, that's also a pretty big factor in how thick your phone is. I I use phones caseless, and so far, <laughs> so far so good. <laughs> so far, it hasn't put me out of business. I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the curve, titanium. What were you going to say? Well, uh, one more thing on the curve first, mm. which is that um, you know the initial. I think, I think it was. Um, it was Shrimp like, Apple Pro, that one. Yeah. So Shrimp yeah. Apple Pro, which is where the curve first came from pretty early on uh i think their description of the curve was like it was it was beautiful like it was really really nice and it sort of sort of a callback to when chamfered edges were a thing with the iphone 5 and it's like that that detail uh when you look closely it's just really really nice i think uh, phil schiller called the iphone 5 a gem on stage so <laughs> uh to describe it and and we sort of used iPhone 5C as a reference point for, uh, you know, flat top, but curved, you know, curved toward the back. And so this is not quite that dramatic at all. Like, it's really a subtle, but Shrimp Apple Pro seemingly confirmed that this is what they were talking about, at least. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for a, to, for a comparison, the 5C is not a bad compare. Like, he's not way off base. Mm. It's not exactly the same as the 5C. Like you say, it's not quite as curved. Uh, but I can see where they're coming from. Like, especially if you ignore the, the, the bulge of, like, the middle of the edge, it's like the actual edge is the curviness of what a 5C fair, is. Fair, so I can, yeah. see where he, I can see where that description comparison came from, yeah. Sure. So so we're in for curves, and and we predicted that maybe this will be the new the new curve of the future, of future iPads. So. I don't know. We'll see. Mm. Yeah. The thinner bezels was kind of a surprise to me. I don't know why, but it looks really nice. Every time they make the bezels thinner, it makes the old bezels just look like mascara, like, you know, just painted on. Uh, and that happened in this case. You know, not not really a, like a major functional thing, uh, but it does look, I mean, this is what the iPhone, or this is what the Apple Watch Series 6 to 7 did, was make thin bezels even thinner. And in this case on the phone, the more... The closer you get to all screen on the front, the more impressive I think it looks. And they're not going the way that Samsung's gone, where they they curve display into the edges. Yeah, because the Samsung displays, if you look at them front on... It's just screen. It's just screen. And it does look very, very modern. Mm -hmm. Um, But So that's where they're competing, right? Like you go into a shop and just in pure visual style, there's a decent chunk of people who prefer the Samsung look because there's no black border at all. Mm. And it's like, yeah, so... If if they're not even if they're not going to go for um, curve around the sides, they can at least shrink the bezel that is visible. Because yep. uh, like we had the iPhone 10 bezel, which was impressive for 2017, but then when it doesn't change for three years, it starts looking a bit thick, right? And so then they slimmed it down a bit. 
and then they slimmed down again. And now with the 15, we're getting a very substantial uh, slimming where the bezels are about the bezels, the front bezels are going to be about like 50% thinner than what they are on yeah. the 14 series, which makes the dynamic island the the, the, the not the notch the modern notch look even look like bigger because that doesn't change in size i don't believe yeah and that's the other competitive disadvantage compared to android which have mostly moved to fingerprint sensors under mm-hmm. the screen they have no need for a front-facing hole um mm-hmm. or very or just a pin or just a pinhole for the camera uh, whereas the iphone has the face id system which is obviously quite big yeah we've come a long way from the iphone uh, one yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think overall I'm pretty ex- pretty excited based on these uh, renders. It looks pretty nice. The the actual titanium finish. Yeah, titanium. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about. Like, I felt kind of feel like stainless steel looks more premium. Is titanium rumored for this year, or is it? Yeah, and, but no ultra this year though. No ultra. No yeah, ultra's next. Or year. unless they just call the Pro Max an ultra just to change the branding around. Right. Because I was thinking they were matching titanium with ultra with even bigger, and so that. When you get to a certain, when you get to a larger size, then you'd prefer titanium, and it would be lighter. I mean, they they can already make the case that titanium is preferable to stainless steel because these phones, the pro phones, are heavier than the non-pro phones. But I was thinking titanium for ultra, and not before then. But hey, maybe I am like you. There are there are lots of complaints on the internet about people who prefer the non-pro phones because they don't pick up the fingerprints that the pro phones have with stainless steel. I still think, though, that I, I prefer the, the back glass if you're not using a case on the pro phones, the matte finish. I wish I could find a decent like matte finish cover for the iPhone because I just like matte finishes. I have paper-like on the iPad and love that um, sort of nanotexture that you can't touch from Apple. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I prefer stainless steel. I like, the, I like the heft of it. I do not complain about the heaviness of it um, because it's one of those things where on a certain point, heavy is too much, but but there is a middle ground where heavy feels more premium, nicer, and I think the iPhones like that. I maybe maybe it would be impressive if you had this like the Pro phone, all the cameras and everything, and it was just as light as the non-Pro phones. But um, it's not a thing that bothers me. That makes me say like I, I would prefer to have the third camera, the three X optical zoom, than to have a lighter phone that doesn't fingerprint as much. And I like the black phones, right? And the yeah. black titanium, at least the, the space gray titanium they did on the Apple Watch was also not as dark as what they can get with stainless steel and glass, right? So I'm I'm open to seeing it, but I'm not like chomping at a bit for a titanium finish. Like mm-hmm. I don't even like the Apple Watch Ultra design that much. Like and not just the, the kind of, you know, chunky chunkiness about it, just the, the finish of the material. I'm like the, the the kind of glossy reflective stainless steel watches look cooler to me. Yeah, um, I see that. What did, did you like the difference in so Ultra's Ultra doesn't have much texture to it, or if, if any, but then titanium watches for series seven and six, they had a lighter and a darker version, and those seem to have like more brushed metal, you know, textured look to it. Did you do you have a preference of, of I one prefer or the, the non brushed. Non brushed, yeah. okay. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw but that um that you register account had a supposed image of the bottom of the iPhone 15 Pro. Yes. And it yeah. had USB-C visible, and it had a kind of brushed titanium look to it, at least. Right. Uh, so if this pans out, then that would be the Series 6 slash 7 version of titanium that the Apple Watch did, not the Ultra. So maybe we yeah. get brushed metal on the Pro phones this year and then non-brushed uh, titanium on the Ultra next year. And that somewhat makes sense in the fact that you think they're still going to have to offer color options, i.e. A, a dark colored one and a light colored one, whereas the Ultra is only one color. 
Um, well, and well, more on color. I don't know. If, I don't know what the status of the story is, but we've got more on color soon. Okay. Well, I will really not like it if they're not doing a dark colored one. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Benjamin. Breaking news. I'm allowed to talk about the color. Oh, I just sent you the the color sample that we believe will be this year's iPhone 15 Pro special color. How they've done, you know, the different blues and greens and purple this current year. I think I think so. So this is purportedly what the 15 Pro color will be. This and kind of red. Yes, red is the word. Burgundy, more specifically, I think. It's a deep, dark red. It looks like a really dark skin color, almost like the color of your eyelids when you shut your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like a steak. Well, no, it's nothing like a steak, but it's it's like it's it's like darker than a brick. More it's like school uniform a... maroon. There you go. Yeah, school mm-hmm. uniform maroon. Space. What do you think they call this color? I, I, I said space burgundy, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I moon bet, maroon <laughs> i bet they have some like galaxy color that they're going to pull from and call yeah. it something like that cosmic red okay, well, or something i'll just put it out here i'm not getting that color i don't like it sure well it's not black so you know, what, are you, not black. what are you gonna do so, so uh, and i don't like it as much as the blues or the greens they've done either but sure. just based on this picture yeah pacific blue is my favorite that they've done but the phone isn't modern anymore so you know, you got to make trade-offs. And I, I don't mind the um, product red of, like, the mm-hmm. base model 14s or whatever. Um, that's pretty nice. Yeah. But they've they've done burgundy product... burgundy red, uh, rumored, yeah. and not oh. super keen on. Yeah, okay. So they've done product red in deep reds as well. So with watches and bands and cases, I believe. So I was, they could call this product red or product red. Galactic red or something, you know. Galactic red, that's all, a good name. All of the above, yeah. <laughs> uh, but th- then there's back to the question of the material. So as a stainless steel option, you know, it would look that color would look different in matte glass and then glossy stainless steel. It looks look pretty rich and pretty gem-like, I'd say, like ruby almost. But if it's titanium and there's no reflectiveness to it, it's just, just flat, matte, then that would also... Yeah, the amount of gloss, like, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is excellent for a podcast. Go look at the story. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, feeling unwell, and randomly Googling online, trying to find a cause for some symptoms that we've been having. You stumble down a rabbit hole of advice from so-called experts. Well, there are better ways to get the answers you want from trusted professionals, not random people on the internet, and that's ZocDoc. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. So go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour to get the app and sign up for free. You can book an appointment with a qualified doctor with ease. Find the right doctor in your neighborhood that meets your needs, takes your insurance and fits in with your schedule. Feel confident by reading the verified patient reviews. And then book an appointment in just a few taps and start feeling better, faster, using the free app that millions of users are relying on. So go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. Once again, that's ZocDoc.com slash happy hour. Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash happy hour. Thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring 
the show. That's awesome. Now let's talk about iOS 16.4, Mayo. Yeah, that was new. Come first beta yeah. last week, and it has quite a lot of stuff in it. So the first kind of headline thing is that they're trying to move away from the whole installation process for getting the beta where you download a profile file and then you install the profile and then that gives you access to the beta seed when you go into software update. With 16.4, they've now added a toggle to the settings where you can just opt in directly based on whether based on the Apple ID login you have. So if you have a developer Apple ID, um, an Apple ID associated with a developer account, when you go to software update, in the beta update section now, it just has options for iOS 16 developer beta, iOS 16 public beta, or off, as in just stay on the public releases. So they're trying to shift away from and phase out the whole profile thing, and it's making it more like how the Apple TV works, because the Apple TV, you don't have to install profiles, you can just go into the settings and go to the software update area and turn on beta updates. And so now they're making it like that for iPhone and iPad as well. There was some reporting around this that, like, Apple was cracking down on people outside the beta program, getting the getting the beta and, like, um, forcing people who want to get the beta to, like, pay the $99 a year developer fee just so they can then associate with their Apple ID. Like, I don't know about that. That seems a bit of a stretch. Like, I don't think Apple cares that much. I think it's more about the fact that the profile method was kind of old-fashioned. It, re- it has some sort of security weaknesses because if you kind of get normal people comfortable installing profiles, they then might also install profiles from nefarious sources that are doing things and unlocking features of the phone that they shouldn't really like vpn that do all sort of alternate things and you know enterprise profiles can do have quite a lot of access to the phone if you got access to them so moving to a integrated model where you can just go into the settings of a phone and turn it on uh, is a lot smoother and a lot more elegant so i'm happy they've they've made this change at least yeah the price i don't you know getting 99 dollars a year from people that you know, from developer accounts to have the developer beta, you know, a week or two early than the public beta. I don't think that's the incentive. But last year, they did crack down on the sites that were distributing the profiles for free. And I don't think it was because of the price either. I think that was because of security. You could say this is the iOS 16 beta profile, but really it's not, you know. And and that was probably a pretty big risk. You have to trust the distributor. And if it's not Apple, then, you know, who knows what it could be. Um, so I think that's probably more 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 of the focus as well is 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 both that this has worked for the Apple TV, which needed to do it because and, and HomePod as well maybe I'm not sure but it needed to do it because you weren't connecting this thing to a computer and and you know I remember in the before like you'd download the um, IPSW file and then you'd go into iTunes and you control click on update and then you'd pick the in finder you'd pick the file and that's how you would do an update um we've come a long way from then but even with the profile system there's a better way to do it and i think on the apple watch this would be better too Uh, certainly better for public beta users do they have to deal with profiles or is is that apple id based already i think public beta has had profiles yeah 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 and then we've also seen so there's a really old tier of of beta that's that was like public beta before they had a public beta program. It's called Apple Seed, clever name, and where they seeded out pre-release Apple software to customers. And that one's labeled customer beta in the system. So and and that was like I think the way that you got into Apple Seed was you were, um, you know, you'd file you'd file back in the day radar uh, feedback and you'd be vocal on the Apple support page and then you'd receive the Apple Seed. Um, 
to, to, to try out, does this fix your issue? <laughs> so <laughs> it's pretty legacy. But in this case, um, if you're familiar with the Apple TV way, I think the HomePod even did this because I remember toggling on HomePod beta updates. On yeah, the, the HomePod does do this. Yeah. On the mini, yeah. Uh, I know in the watch, it's just not elegant to, to download a file. For me, it would be on the Mac and then airdrop it to the phone and then go in the watch settings and then say install that. And it restarts your device if it's the iPhone and the watch or the iPad, whatever. You have to restart and then you have to go look for a software update again. So uh, cash aside, <laughs> that, that whole English side, it's more secure, safer, and uh, much nicer as a process. But yeah, it does have the side effect of if you were usually getting free beta Free developer betas, which is you know for the first several weeks are, are earlier than the public beta versions, then you now need to pay to do that, or, or wait for the public beta, or wait one more week for the public beta. Yeah, yeah it depends on your your needs there, I guess. Or or if you make apps, you know, I, I had a developer, I had a developer account because of the iOS five beta, <laughs> and I use that account years later to make a sticker pack that paid for the developer account and more. <laughs> Okay, so new features in 16.4. Uh, the headline feature for most customers is going to be the new emoji. So this this is the update which adds the emoji from the Unicorn standard uh, 15.0. That includes a shaking face, a goose, a hyacinth plant for some reason, a plain pink heart, and the Wi-Fi signal bars in a symbol. So, 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 so dots? No. No, the, um, That's seven. the kind of like triangular thing with the three lines. Yeah, not the iOS 7 signal indicator dots that was cellular bars right yeah that was cellular. Yeah, yeah yeah and then they went back to bars when the iPhone this, 10 came around again this isn't a lot of emoji is it is this from the covid years like, remote? I, don't, I don't know if they're just slowing down in general mm-hmm. like, lots of animals left to do though yeah <laughs> like there's there's a total of about 20 i'd say yeah this time around the, the numbers yeah. would try to get goosed before because it would be one new emoji in like five skin tones or yellow. And then, so then you could say five times the number of new shapes you can pick from. Um, and so that made the numbers sort of inflated before, but this still seems like a below number for new emojis. I don't know if this will have the sort of the cultural effect of you're updating because you want that one new emoji or you're receiving blanks where you, someone sends you an emoji from a future, you know, a software update that you don't have yet. Um, if it's, Still a driver in software updates, then this could be what disables AirDrop everyone for everyone that, that hasn't updated yet and take you down to AirDrop for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not the, the years when you get like 100 new emoji in one go. Mm-hmm. It was a smaller update. But yeah, it might still be a COVID after effect. Yeah, maybe the emoji update 16 has a load more. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see on that because that all comes from the Unicode consortium, not mm-hmm. Apple. Uh, what does come from Apple is policy around web apps. And in 16.4, they've relinquished a lot of their controls that were previously only available to native apps to make them available to web apps that you install on the home screen. So this, these features aren't available to web apps that you just vis- browse to in Safari. You have to explicitly press the um, share menu and then click add to home screen so you get like a shortcut icon on your home screen with your other apps. But when it's in that mode, the web app is blessed with additional capabilities. And the big new capability 
uh, available in 6.4 is push notifications. So before now, the only way you could access the Apple push notification service was to have a native app in the App Store. But now if you have a web app that a customer saves to their home screen, they can subscribe to push notifications, including badges, um, directly. Which is a big upgrade because if 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 you're trying to make the argument that like the web apps compete with the App Store, uh, not having access to notifications on the iPhone is a big deal breaker for that argument so that's now there uh, they've extended it by supporting badges and they support focus mode so all the features you get with a native app in terms of notifications you can get with web apps too there's some other features they've introduced they're upgrading the way the icons render for home screen app icon for home screen web apps before it'd be like a screenshot now it's like a monogram with an initial um, in, if there isn't a default icon provided, that's the new fallback. They're letting third-party web apps, third-party web browsers act as the source for web app shortcuts. So previously, it would always open in a Safari instance. But now, if you set a different default browser, you can open web apps on the home screen into alternate browsers like Chrome or Firefox or whatever. Still, right now, it's still the WebKit rendering engine, regardless of what you use, but it's rumored that Apple's going to release you know open that up uh, maybe as soon as ios 17 with the incoming eu uh, legislation uh, the digital markets act and so then that feature makes even more sense when that's available because then you actually be able to run a web app using a different rendering engine than the one you can get in safari there's some other changes for web apps too but basically is apple uh, adding even more stuff to be um showing that they do care about supporting uh, web SDKs and web APIs are not just holding everything back for native apps, yeah. um, which I think they were kind of pledging to do in general. Uh, and it's just a bonus that it helps them with antitrust arguments because they can say, look, we do have competition from the app store. We have the web browser. Um, and so I do think they were planning on a lot of this stuff anyway, but maybe those plans have been accelerated in the wake of the antitrust and government well, stuff. They were planning on that in 2007 and then they prioritized the app store yeah. that pushed back into now because web apps were the thing for the, before the app store in 2008. Uh, things you can do. So the rendering engine difference, I, I know if you add Instagram on the iPad from, from the browser to your home screen, it, you don't see the Chrome of the browser anymore. And so I think effectively there'd be no difference then if you were running it from Safari or Google now. But once they you're able to have a different uh, web engine then maybe there's features that, that could be done if you use the other default browser than safari mm. um and the reason i'm thinking of that is like on i know on the on, on the mac you you sometimes it's pretty rare these days but sometimes you come across websites that will do certain things in chrome or firefox or opera but not in safari um it'll it'll say this requires you know these browsers are supported not safari it's pretty rare these days but it does happen um, and so that could be the case here as well. Also, speaking of Instagram on the iPad, you make it, you use the web app, you don't see any of the browser Chrome, it's your full screen, it's not really optimized for larger screens in terms of like being more dense with information, but it's at least there. You get push notifications, you're pretty close to having an app. I mean, then, then you can be notified when people post, you can be notified when people uh, comment or like or go live on, on video, or um, if you're using messaging. I don't think there's messaging there at all right now, and so they can support messaging if they know that they have push as the web app. So eh, none of it, none of it's bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, it's significant. Yeah, yeah I, I don't use any web apps on my home screen 
same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and I do get why you would have this for things that you save to your home screen on on iOS and iPadOS. On the Mac, you can get push notifications from Safari. There's no just con- generally. Yeah, yeah, there's no concept of putting it on your home screen. So you could say if you wanted to, nine to five Mac push notifications and then be notified on your desktop or your, your MacBook when there's new new stories posted. And that's so does that how how does that work behind the scenes? Is that different than than Apple's push notification service or No, so the other news in sixteen point four is they're supporting the standard web um, push oh. notification API. So cool. it's the same across both. Nice. Nice. What are the music user interface improvements? Yeah, so there's a few smaller things in terms of like icons in the tab bar and stuff like that. But the big change that I want to call out is when you like add or remove something from your playlist or to your app next queue in Apple Music, previously you would get a big modal overlay that would be like a big square in the center of the screen, kind of like the old volume UI, right, where it would have the big gray blob in the middle. And while that was visible for like the second or two, you couldn't interact with the rest of the app at all. So you couldn't like play next and then quickly play another song next because that modal badge, uh, which you can't interact with, it was just a big indicator, would just take would just um, take all touch input and just cancel it out. So you couldn't use the app. Like user interaction was disabled while that indicator was visible. What they've done in 16.4 is they've got rid of that. Um, that kind of old style. And now it's just a small little banner that pops up at the bottom of the screen as like a central pill shape. Uh, and while that is showing, you can interact with the rest of the app. So it just makes it a lot more modern, a lot more fluid. And the old kind of, you know, pre-iOS 13 star volume UI is now fully a thing of the past because obviously it was removed from the system. And then the similar thing that was obviously being copied in Apple Music has now been removed as well. So that was the main thing I wanted to point out there because that was super annoying if you were trying to you know manage a bunch of songs quickly because that thing that pop up would always get in your way and mm. slow you down. Yeah, uh, podcast app still doesn't use the new volume. No, the podcast app UI does not match the iOS 16 music app now playing interface. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Ah, <laughs> uh, TV app up next. Yeah, so this is a minor change. If you go into the TV app now on like iPhone or iPad and you look at your app next queue, previously you would have the thumbnail which you could tap to play on and then in the bottom right it would have a download button where you could download the episode for offline viewing. But I don't think many people watch stuff offline. Like it's not the common case. So it was kind of weird that that was the button that was so prominent. So now they've changed it to just a dot, dot, dot like ellipses. Mm. And then you can press the ellipses and it shows you a load of options, including download, but also view details, share, remove from up next and mark episode as watched. And I think those actions are way more popular than download. So they've made them, you know, at least as prominent as the download button was. Mm -hmm. Before 16.4, those actions were available, but the only way you could get to them was by long pressing on the thumbnail. And that just wasn't very intuitive or obvious. So So having it as an actual button is much better. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then always on display on the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max, Mm -hmm. which not coming to the iPhone 15, right? Not the iPhone 15. Not the iPhone 15. Disney Pros. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so those features distinguishes the two. Uh, you can now use Always on Display um, as a, a, a... You can set it with a focus filter or a shortcut action. And so that means you can... What? You can say, don't use Always on Display if I'm in my reading focus or... Mm-hmm. 
or start a shortcut that disables the always on display, like you're saying goodnight and you play music and you turn off the lights and you yep, exactly. turn off always on display. Exactly. Cool. Because in 16.3 and earlier, the sleep focus had like a special privilege yes. where it would turn off always on display. But if you wanted to use other focuses, uh, that, that option wasn't there. But now it's a focus filter. You can say in this focus mode, always turn always display on or always turn on display off. And so you get a lot more control. And it's basically a setting that should have been available there from the beginning, but it takes them a while to mm-hmm. catch up. Yep. <laughs> but and now then, it's there, which is nice. Yep. And then messages, if you're using iMessage, that uh, now Mastodon uh, URLs will, will now expand to show you a preview of the content. So if it's like a post, you'll see the text there, just like you would expect from a Twitter URL. Um, you know, this shows that Apple fellow Phil Schiller still got some pull because... He's on Mastodon. I don't know that other executives are. Although, more likely, it's someone who works on the iMessage team and they care about this and they added it, I would say. Yeah, and I believe this is interpreting um, a standards body's metadata from the page. Ah. Um, So it's not technically like a Mastodon thing, but obviously the rise of Mastodon's prominence has made the iMessage team prioritize integrating this metadata. Because before... If you look on 16.3 and earlier, you would get like the image, but you wouldn't get the post body, like the actual text. Yeah. Um, whereas now you do, and it makes it basically the same as if you embed a tweet and you get that like tweet balloon bubble. And that makes sense because how would you know it was a Mastodon URL if you can have mm. domains like home.social? You know, that could be anything. And you couldn't, I mean, you could pre-populate as much as you could, but you would never be able to keep up. So that's cool. That makes sense. And it's also good news because if Twitter, you know, there's often... Before any management change, times where tweet previews and messages bug out and they'll be in different languages or they won't work at all anymore. Or they're missing characters. Missing characters. <laughs> they're always really random. And and then they get fixed and it's on the Twitter end, right? Not yeah. Apple's end. So you could imagine if they break in the future, they'll be less incentive <laughs> they'll be less likely to be fixed in a timely manner. And so Maybe this would be the this would be the solution to that if they use that standard. So good news there. Would be nice. Yep. And then this section I call home season three episode nine because what's new in home and iOS sixteen point four. The home architecture is back again. Here we go. <laughs> the saga continues. The drama of the home architecture being available. And remember, if you did upgrade as part of sixteen point two, um, you still got, you still kept it. You couldn't downgrade. So you're just on the home architecture with questionable reliability, although for me it's been basically fine. Um, I think the main issues with the home architecture that Apple pulled it for was the fact that on initial setup, invites, like getting your family back invited to the home group, would fail. Mm. And so that's the main reason why they pulled it. And and apparently now they've sorted out those problems and hopefully a few others regarding no response issues and stuff because I know some people have had more troubles than others. Mm. Uh, But back in 16.4, it's re-enabled again. So when 16.4 comes out... Everyone will be able that didn't upgrade before will be able to upgrade again. Okay, so not yet, but soon. Cool. Not a bad round of features for a point update. We, people were waiting anxiously for this update, and then when it came, it did not disappoint. Yeah, and there's even some smaller stuff like an order tracking widget, and uh, there's some Apple Care updates. Like in settings now, you can see Apple Care coverage for all devices, not just like the current device that's plugged in. So there's some other small bits as well. Maybe there'll be some other changes in future betas that obviously we'll cover if they arrive yeah the, the emoji is why i went to the beta so <laughs> <laughs> 
Finally this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Ladder. If you're anything like me, you have a certain tendency to put things off until the very last minute. Dentists, opticians appointments, that kind of stuff. And you know, it's usually fine, but you shouldn't mess around and wait when it comes to life insurance. Get term coverage life insurance through Ladder today. I've started needing glasses recently and that happening was kind of a moment of oh damn i'm getting older and stuff like life insurance somehow feels immediately more relevant life insurance gives you peace of mind to know that your family will be taken care of if the worst happens ladder is a 100 percent digital service when you apply for three million dollars in coverage or less that means no doctors no needles and no paperwork it's all done online you just need a phone or laptop to apply you fill out ladder's application form and their smart algorithms will work in real time and tell you instantly if you're approved Ladder has no hidden fees and you can cancel at any time. Get a full refund if you cancel within the first 30 days. And Ladder's policies are, u- are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. And Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot. If you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure but you just want some more information, go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator, and you can see the costs and terms of the plan with no commitment. And as the cost of life insurance goes up as you age, now is the time to act and get it done. So go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's ladderlife, L-A-D-D-E-R-L-I-F-E dot com slash happy hour. One more time, ladderlife.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Ladder for sponsoring the show. Bloomberg has a new report out about potentially the Apple Watch and non-invasive glucose monitoring, which has been in the works for several years now, let's say since before the Apple Watch, you know, as an Apple Watch focus feature. Uh, this has supposedly been in development while Steve Jobs was still alive, beginning mm-hmm. in 2010, according to the Bloomberg Report. All right. And the news is that the project has hit a major milestone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're not going to ship it anytime soon, no. but it's, it's looking up. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, because non-invasive glucose monitoring does not exist today. It's like a something, a panacea that all sorts of companies have been looking to crack. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, if you have a Bluetooth glucose monitor compared to an Apple Watch, the, the actual glucose monitor is invasive. And the way it works is it takes a pinprick off your finger and then it scans that sample of blood to measure the glucose level. But what Apple wants to do and what all these companies want to achieve is non-invasive monitoring where just like the Apple Watch can measure your heart rate by using you know, camera sensors or light sensors, they want to be able to measure glucose levels by using light sensors. And this is a really complicated thing that a lot of companies have been working on for many, many years. And so although this latest report isn't like Apple's going to ship it in a product in two years or in one year or, you know, it's coming soon, it's still very monumental in the sense of this. if this feature ships, it'll be so incredible for so many people and even if you're not diabetic it has so many potential usage of monitoring blood sugar and maybe on the long stretch of time apple could like automatically measure your calorie intake or something so you wouldn't have to like manually track calories when you're eating and dieting you could just let the watch do it passively which would be amazing um but even just helping out people who are diabetic to know if their glucose levels are going too high Mm -hmm. and they need insulin or whatever it's such a huge thing it affects millions and millions of people just like ecg does already on the apple watch and so the fact that they've been able to get a milestone of promise than the idea that 
it's actually going decently well is really um, uplifting and exciting because it means that it's like it, it's kind of slowly transition from the we don't even know if this is possible phase to the mm-hmm. let's see how we can get this shipping in a product. And the Bloomberg report had a nice little paragraph explaining how Apple's approach works. Apple is using a chip technology known as silicon photonics and a measurement process called optical absorption spectroscopy. And basically, it shines lasers at specific wavelengths of light into an area below the skin that can be absorbed by glucose into the, like that area. And then it reflects back the light and the amount of light reflected indicates the concentration of glucose in the blood. So that's the idea. It sounds like a much more complicated system of how they measure the heart rate, right? Because the heart rate, they shine green light into your skin and they measure how much green light comes back. Mm-hmm. And by seeing when seeing those peaks and troughs in the amount of light return, that's how they can measure your pulse. And so it's basically that kind of idea, but you know, ten times more complicated to measure glucose levels. Uh, the system, uh, Bloomberg says the system will rely on a slate of Apple designed silicon chips and sensors, and they are using TSMC naturally to build that main chip that powers the feature. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is, how is this thing that has been a enigma for all these medical companies how is this possible in an apple lab well the bloomberg report basically says they have access to the best silicon designers in the world they have access to an incredibly good silicon fab tsmc and so that's how they're being able to bring this together and you know make the magic happen i see commercials over the years for for you know that that will sort of advertise as this is the next breakthrough in um you know, for diabetics and you'll say, oh, wow, you know, you don't have to break your finger anymore. And then you'll think, oh, what is that? Is this what Apple's been working on sort of thing? And it's no, it's 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 on your arm instead, or it's a continuous monitoring um, system that, you know, transfers to display and it and it does it continuously without you having to do the schedule thing. Um, so uh, if this works and they do go the FDA route where they get medical approval for it, and it's something that could actually replace the device that you already use for this, um, not just non-invasive, but continuous. That would be because if it's on you, what the what the continuous glucose monitors do is every few minutes they take a sample, and so you don't you know it's not just hourly. It's, it isn't automatically because it's automatic. You can keep doing it over and over without you know interrupting your day. So that not just non-invasive, but but continuous. I would imagine it would be as well. Um, yeah, well, yeah, cool. I mean, so, if it if they can pull it off, it would be really uh, a big milestone. Absolutely. Yep. And in the TV corner this week for Apple TV Plus, there's a report that Apple's looking at the Pac-12 streaming rights. Yes. For TV Plus. And the Pac-12 represents a conference of schools. Yes. Um, so like college colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, they it, they mostly concentrate on football, American football, but they also do baseball and other sports as well. Um, yeah. And the, the idea of Apple being interested in Pac-12 rights has come up before. This has kind of bubbled along for a couple of years um, as the rights come up for renewal. Yeah. And as recently as the end of last year, it was believed that Amazon was the front runner um, with a deal on the table. But the Pac-12 Conference of Schools actually rejected the offer. Oh, why? Um, well, it's not entirely clear, but it's some mixture of exposure sure. and money. Um, <laughs> sure. So they wanted more money. Uh, than Amazon offered, and they wanted linear TV rights, which is interesting because the supposed Apple deal is the same kind of all-encompassing exclusive that they have with MLS, right, where they get access to all-game streaming. 
maybe Apple would like say, well, you can still sell linear rights separately or something. Maybe that's how they're going to pacify them. Yeah. But um, just because they're the front row, of course, doesn't mean they're going to get the deal. And it's not even clear if they've like made a formal bid. Um, but the New York Post says that with Amazon and, and basically Amazon bid was rejected. Uh, ESPN don't want to pay the amount of money that the Pac-12 want. They were the previous main rights holders. Um, and Fox Sports, which is the other cable network that used to be a big rights holder, doesn't care anymore. They think the Pac-12 is irrelevant. Um, uh, but Apple is basically like the last person standing <laughs> in a way. And that's how they've become the front runner. That's how the New York Post frames it. Um, it's unclear how much money Apple's offering. It's unclear exactly what the deal terms are. But it sounds like it would be something similar to MLS Season Pass where you get all games streaming for, you know, one subscription and some games in front of the paywall. Obviously, we spent, you know, a lot of last year talking about how Apple was negotiating with the NFL for Sunday Ticket, and then that deal fell through. That kind of highlights how, like, you know, Apple doesn't cave or have um, any pressure, seemingly any pressure to make deals, right? They take their time. They find stuff that they think matches exactly the the bill of terms and the list of things that they want. And if they can get a deal, they'll take it. But if the Pac-12 pushes back and says, well, we want this and this and this, and that doesn't align with what Apple wants, they're just going to say fine and walk away. Because that's what happened with the NFL Sunday ticket. So, And the NFL Sunday ticket is a much more prestigious uh, goal than Pac-12. And if they're willing to walk away from Sunday ticket, that basically signals they're willing to walk away from anything. But if they can get deals at a pricing that they're interesting with the rights that they want, um, maybe this will come to fruition. And I believe the uh, the kind of implication, at least, from the New York Post is that this is leaked out now because uh, a bid would be taken to the Pac-12 for review uh, soon. So mm-hmm. in the next like month or so. So that's when we'll see whether Apple gets rejected just like Amazon did. Because <laughs> yeah. if you're looking at viewership numbers, Amazon Prime Video has more reach than the Apple TV app does. It's just a fact. Uh, so that might be a black mark on their thing but if apple's come to the table with offering more money they might be able to overlook that well i mean as oprah put it a billion pockets y'all you know having it in the tv app that's built in on the iphone that's compelling even if it isn't on as many devices i guess yeah but of those billion pockets not every person is opening the tv app right right yeah because i mean just look at amazon prime subscriber amazon prime video subscribers compared to apple tv plus subscribers for a comparison it's like you know amazon prime's like 10 times bigger yeah but prime you know prime Shipping, a lot of other things. It's complicated. Yeah, Apple TV Plus comes free with a lot of stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember like six or seven years ago, we were talking about Apple negotiating with, um, you know, networks and trying to get the local versions of ABC and CBS and NBC for their linear sh- streaming package that they, you know, walked away from because they couldn't get the local streams, uh, and they wanted to be able to send out from others and have local news and. Um, that, that's now just kind of a thing with Hulu and others, but um, that was where the breaking point for Apple. So we've seen lots of examples of Apple um, interested and ambitious in, when it comes to streaming um, media, sports, news. And but we've also seen <laughs> almost as many examples of them, them walking away because they don't get exactly what they want uh, out, of, out of it. So, uh, yeah. It, it, speaking of the MLS or the soccer, the soccer deal, they a couple of things have happened since we last discussed this. T-Mobile had this past tuesday so it's too late now if you missed it but they do two they do um t-mobile tuesdays where they give you like a deal or a freebie they did, they did this last year with mlb uh streaming they did it this year with uh mls so apple's mls 
you know, subscription. If you're a T-Mobile subscriber and you use the T-Mobile Tuesdays app, you could redeem a code that gave you the membership for this year for for MLS. And so I, I did that. There's also been testing, or I guess there was like a pre-season game or two that they that they yeah streamed. they streamed three preseason games last weekend. Yeah, and um, the regular season begins this weekend, so that's when it will be all action stations. You know, mm-hmm. fourteen games a week, Saturdays and, and Wednesdays. Much more promoted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is sort of in hidden. But uh, what did did you see these and what what did you think of them? Were they were they ready to go? Or? They were not bad. Um, I think we'll probably talk about season pass maybe next week or something when mm-hmm. they've actually like launched it for real because they didn't do the whip around show. In the preseason test games, they were just basically testing like the commentary and the streaming. Um, but early reactions, especially from uh, people who were on Twitter, I saw who you know used to watching MLS in America, they were yeah. pretty positive. I'd say more positive than the reactions to Friday Night Baseball when that first launched, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like with Friday Night Baseball, Apple try at like baseball coverage in America was already quite well invested, and Apple tried to do something slightly different, you know, targeting a more general audience, getting some different hosts in and stuff. And so that was controversial and maybe backfired a little bit or misfired. Um, Whereas the MLS situation, MLS was always like a lower tier sport for these other networks. And so they always had worse production. They always weren't getting the attention they deserved. And so Apple coming to the forefront with a big investment, you know, you get high quality video, you get a 5.1 surround sound, you get top commentary teams, you get multiple cameras. Like a lot of these MLS games before would only have one camera. Um, doing the whole game whereas you know if you, you can have multiple cameras you can cut away you can do highlights you can do replays and a lot of the sentiment i saw and um, from was like apple's preseason test games are better quality than regular season last year on insert network name right yeah. so i think the the, re- the reaction from people was generally pretty positive hmm. that, that's something interesting with, with you know back to pac 12 there's definitely a production difference between watching even just college football which is quite popular in the nfl um, like the distance that the cameras are, they're further away, they're lower quality often. And Apple's managed to even make baseball look really, really good without even doing 4K. Um, there was another report from this week in the New York Post. They had two media reports this week that related to Apple. Um, the other one, aside from Pac-12, is with Friday Night Baseball. They, they're changing some of the broadcasters that mm. were originally on last year. Uh, to this year, so I guess you, some of the familiar faces you won't see, and presumably there'll, there'll be new faces that you will see. So it sounds like they've heard the feedback of what people didn't like and making some adjustments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're keeping uh, the Nolan guy, Stephen Nelson, and Hunter Pence, and because um, others are going away. So yeah, that's just a reminder that baseball season is soon. I think we're in practice now, so that's cool. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see whether Apple charges for baseball this year because the first year was free. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like it was never guaranteed to always be free. Uh, yeah, the so. first part of the season was free, and then it continued on to the rest of the season being free. So yeah. maybe for year two they take it behind the TV Plus paywall, so you have to have a TV Plus subscription to watch them because because obviously Friday Night Baseball is only two games a week, and so it seems unlikely they'd be able to make an entirely separate price just like with mls games. yeah like they've done with mls which yeah. is you know 14 games a week for like seven months so it's a big it's a big difference yeah. okay and finally in tv corner uh i want to do a non-spoiler mini review of hello tomorrow this is a show i was looking forward to not not for too long but, but since i saw the trailer and i was pretty compelling thought it was pretty compelling um the the billy uh credit show so uh 
this is the trailer that showed like retro future sort of um, where it's in this different reality and um, Billy Crudup is selling tickets to, to live on the moon, basically like almost like, you know, I was thinking like timeshares or something like that. So, uh, and we knew that there was something sort of, you know, nefarious going on based on the trailers. So that, that's that. Um, I think that the show, and if you, I guess if you care about spoilers at all, like maybe don't listen to this, but um, it, not, not to pull anything, just overall thoughts. I think that the show is less mysterious than I wanted it to be. And it's definitely not uh, aspirational in any way. It's maybe I think it's maybe like like the the space stuff is just or, or even like that whole premise that we saw in the trailer is more of just like a, a setting and a scene and and not really story related. So eh, that's that's what I gotta say on it. it it's not mm-hmm. a it's not a feel good show. <laughs> and even though I knew there's gonna be something nefarious, I think it actually is like quite it has this feeling of like anxiousness to it like you know just just sort of when is everything going to blow up you know eventually so are you gonna keep watching it or i am yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's but it's not it's not it doesn't sound like it's your favorite thing ever it's not a recommendation no yeah no not a recommendation but i will keep watching it um shrinking i'm watching and would recommend people watch it uh our former uh, colleague Parker Ornolani, the way he put it was, why does Apple keep making negative TV shows? You know, they need more <laughs> type shows. So, and this, I would say this is in the category of like kind of, kind of a downer, <laughs> you know, you're in it as a drama and not as like, uh, you know, refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, well, if you want refreshing, Ted Lasso's back in March. <laughs> that's, that is true. Yeah. 